0: Hello and welcome to Dateline New Haven, the WNHHFM New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. Well, for all time in New Haven, there's been one agency that makes the city tick in such a somewhat quiet way, but such a deep and important way. That's Neighborhood Housing Services, that helps people buy their own homes who might not have otherwise been able to buy their homes, and buy nice homes, homes that are going to last, homes that let them accrue assets to pass on to their kids, and stabilize neighborhoods. I just think that all these complicated questions that are dealing with housing in our city now, they've been dealing with them since well into the last century in finding solutions. So we're welcoming today Jim Paley, who's the Executive Director Neighborhood Housing Services and the founder, right, Jim?
1: Uh, founding Executive Director, yes.
0: And Bridget Russell, who runs their Home Ownership Center and has sort of been one of the generals in, in branching out what NHS does over the years to help people not just get homes but stay in the homes
2: absolutely absolutely good morning
0: good morning it's so nice to see you both Thank you hey you know it. i i was a little late and i apologize i was covering a press conference at the 180 center mm-hmm. that's one of those faith-based um agencies in town there on east street they help homeless people but also people work in it are also rebuilding their lives that's sort of part of the agency's mission like people overcoming addiction you know study bibles during the day and help homeless people And they're gonna be one of four warming centers so starting tonight, you know, there are places if people don't want to go, there are probably hundreds of people in town who don't like to go to warming, go to homeless shelters, but mm-hmm. could freeze to death. So on some nights they come in as, you know, overnight. But at this press conference, they're talking about the need for longer term solutions. The city's won a few million dollars from the federal government to try to map out some longer term solutions to homelessness Um, And the lack of affordable housing in town, which aren't always the same thing, right? Sometimes people are homeless because of lack of affordable housing. Sometimes there are things going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. And New Reach, which is one of the non-preferences, you know, deals with homeless. They also just won $2.5 million that they're going to use for long-term solutions. So before we get into NHS, I'm wondering if Bridget or Jim have any advice to the people in New Haven for the next bunch of years who are going to try to be coming up with solutions to homelessness. Any thoughts based on your own work in, in making homeowners? Or are we just talking about different kinds of people?
2: Gosh, I mean, there's so much that goes into it. I mean, uh, agencies like New Reach. I know we've worked with Liberty Community Services that does quite a bit of work with supportive housing. Yeah. yeah, the supportive housing. Yeah, I mean, uh, you need the social services. You need more of the supportive housing, the transitional housing. Um, you know, I don't know. It's it, there aren't easy answers, but
0: I guess thinking about it now, Jim and Bridget, I guess there's so many different aspects of housing challenges you face. You're really in a different lane, right? The kind right. of people you work with are people who, if I get it right, you know, they're often they have jobs at Yale. They might be blue collar jobs, they might be pink collar jobs. They make a decent living. But like if you make 50,000, 70,000, 45,000 a year right now and you have a kid, it's kind of hard to own a house. But if you can own a house mm-hmm. and keep it you have lost stability for your family and you, and you have sort of generational wealth. Is that a good way of putting it? Maybe that's a little different from people who are sleeping out in tent cities or have, you know, mental health or addiction challenges that are preventing them from getting their life in order.
2: Absolutely. Um, but I do want to mention um, something because it's an interesting partnership that we have with Columbus House right now um, th- with our homeownership center services. For the very first time, they actually developed – a home ownership um, home on West Division where we happen to have remodeled, what do we have? Uh, Two multi, three multi-families and one single family that we've done on West Division on that small uh, street in between Sherman and Dixwell. And so there is a house that our nonprofit um, real estate company is going to be marketing for Columbus House. And one of the things that we will be looking at... um, and a little asterisk next to the individual that might be someone who previously was homeless. Um, for this particular, it's it's a lovely two bedroom, one and a half bath, um, modern, you know, metal roof, metal facility. It's um, energy efficient, uh, just spacious. This is a house I'm you're lovely. rebuilding, or built? For and scratch? this is a house that Columbus House actually built. New construction um, that we're going to be selling for them. And as I said, you know, one of the uh, populations that we're going to clo- closely look at is, is maybe someone who previously was homeless, who is now at a point. And we, of course, want to offer our services, the typical services within the homeownership center. I always tell people preparation is key. So, really looking at the different mortgage programs that are out there the different down payment and closing cost products that are available. I know everyone out there is probably familiar with time to own, which was the state's program that, that was announced in May that unfortunately is out of money just to tell you what the need is out there. But I know that the governor is going before the bond commission in December, um, trying to get Mm -hmm. more money in this particular. I heard he has some influence there. So, um, yeah. And you know what? and uh lci has their new program uh up that's the 20 city's livable city initiative mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know i'm i'm really hopeful in terms of working with an individual to purchase this home that can take advantage of the state money take advantage of the city money and any other resource money that we might be able to down payment and closing costs resources that are out there that we can uh, leverage we're to ta- make it affordable we're
0: talking about how people become homeowners mm-hmm. uh with Jim Paley and Bridget Russell of the Neighborhood Housing Services and their Home Ownership Center, so is it fair to say this is your mission, in my words, how to fix up rundown houses and build new ones for working families and improve New Haven neighborhoods without pushing or pricing people out? Has that sort of been the mission for forty-two years, Jim?
1: That's been that's been part of the mission. Um, we've worked with people who are needing uh, needing assistance with rehabilitation projects. We've worked with elderly homeowners who. Feel like they can't afford to have the work done that needs to be done on their houses and make it possible for them to remain in their homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call that an aging in place strategy. Uh, but we do um, we do enjoy the opportunity, uh, which is becoming increasingly difficult and challenging, to be able to fix up these old abandoned. Or closed houses. Right. When you
0: came to town, New Haven is just had kind a of hangover from knocking down so many beautiful buildings from the urban renewal. And then your job was let's keep what we got here and make them nice. And if you can cut, talk a little into the mic, Jim,
1: no, that's correct. Um, when, when, you know, New Haven has had periods of, of sharply rising values and then also steeply declining values. And of course the 1990s were the period that you're referring to. We had a lot of demolition taking place in the 90s. um, and the 60s and 50s. and Yeah, in the 60s and 50s before that. But as you know, um, the population of New Haven has declined or had declined uh, from a high of about 160,000 people in the 1950 census to a low of 123,000 people in the 2020 census. I'm sorry, the 22,000 census. Because we're now back up to, I think, 135. We're now back up to about, I'm predicting about 230,000 thirty to two hundred and forty thousand. One thirty. yeah i'm sorry one thirty to one forty but um you know but so the population is increasing but but in the 1990s in particular there was a lot of demolition that took place and um you know we we mourned the demolition of houses that could have been um you know fixed up and made livable for uh First-time homebuyers for generations. So, how many ago. homes
0: have you built, renovated, and sold, and how many people have you helped?
1: We've 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 actually done approximately 300 houses um, over our 40-year ter- term, 42-year term, um, and um, you know it's been slowed down in the last couple of years because of a number of things, uh, funding opportunities, subsidies, which are required to do any one of our developments. Uh, we need to subsidize these projects heavily to keep them affordable to low for moderate income first-time buyers because construction costs have gone up and now especially with the presence of investors uh, acquisition costs have gone up so um, now we're relying more on new construction on vacant lots that are city formerly city-owned and uh, you know that's a project that we're going to be starting um, and hopefully have a at least a ceremonial gra- groundbreaking um, within the next few weeks. How many of these
0: lots are you working on?
1: We're going to be working on four lots. They're all in New Hallville. There will be three two family houses constructed and one single family house constructed. And uh, you know that will be bringing in a total of seven um, affordable units, whether they're home ownership or rental units, into the New Hallville neighborhood, which is sorely needed. And you'll be selling that to homeowners? <clears throat> we, will, we will be selling it to, to homeowners. Um, the demand is so great that uh, Bridget has gotten uh, reservations or informal deposits on each one of those vacant lots, wow. even though even though nothing's been built on them yet, because people are ready and willing and eager to wait uh, for them. And one change, I think,
0: I don't know, <laughs> change, evolution, neighborhood salvings. you start to look at neighborhoods. I remember continually going to certain parts of New Hallville, mm-hmm. like around um, Bassett Street and surrounding streets where you were and Winchester where you're getting clusters of houses because you felt like you could make more of an impact in a neighborhood by doing a bunch together. Has that worked, Bridget, do you find?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, I can remember coming here close to 15 years ago, and maybe it was within my second year or third year when um, Jim was going to do a lot of construction, Winchester, Lilac, so and Lilac in between Winchester and Newhall. Um, was challenged and I said frankly to Jim for me to be able to successfully sell these properties and at that time we had um, four houses that we were getting ready to do the gut renovation for on Lilac and we had the two-family home that was right on the corner of Winchester and Lilac and it was important to be able to when when I was out with families point out that Somebody these were else. developments that were going on right across the street. This house, and, this and I remember and meeting the house.
0: people you put in there, and how they became anchors of the neighborhood and demanding better police protection, safer streets to drive Absolutely. on. So when I think of the two insights, when I look at the two of you, the way I, I often thought about what made Jim Paley brilliant was the way you. Would, I, he had kind of figured out, right? You had kind of figured out that if I'm going to make an old house nice, there were two theories of housing construction for long-income people in the 70s and 80s in new haven there was the nasty model and i'm not putting it down with was sort of, sort of like you know these aren't going to be palaces right nasty i'm going to put up a, frank nasty, nasty with an eye rather than yeah, a yeah, y. frank nasty and the idea was that I, he had a nonprofit Kuho, mm-hmm. and it said you know if there's i'm going to build something new it's not going to be the most expensive materials i want somebody to be able to afford to buy it and they're not going to last super long but it's going to be a decent place you can own a house and live in and then i kind of saw the paley model with neighborhood housing which was Let's actually get people, let's find a way that the same person can afford a really good house that's going to last by founding one of these beautiful old houses they used to build when they made houses better, and then get tax credits, grants, whatever, historic home credits, whatever it takes, so that when the nonprofit fixes up the house and does a good job, th- those grants and outside subsidies will lower the cost so that the same working class person who's a custodian or a secretary can buy it, get the equity, and, and then you also would have a new boiler in it at the beginning, a new roof, so they won't have an emergency two years in when the roof leaks or some cheap uh, walls, crumble or the boiler needs to be replaced, so they can start to accrue equity and they won't be one paycheck away from losing their house. And then tell me if I'm right that when I first met Bridget, I believe you had just come to here and that you had started a home ownership center on Sherman Avenue, where you gave people classes who were buying the houses. So you didn't just say, here's your nice house, go go, go to go to town with it. You kind of helped them learn about budgeting, setting side up for repairs, how to get deal with mortgages if there's refis. And then I kind of saw Bridget as sort of your next step where we're not just going to make buildings nice so people can live in them. We're going to help people succeed. Am I right that those were the
1: two big innovations of NHS? That's, that's absolutely correct. I mean, we felt that it was important for us to... Uh, to build or rehab houses that were going to last. And so if there was a roof that would only have five years left in it, we would replace it or the same thing with a boiler. Because, but you had to
0: figure out that the person could still afford to buy it. Correct. And that you needed the historic tax credits, you needed the subsidies, you need the banks to give you the low price if they're unloading stuff, right?
1: Right, absolutely. I mean, it was acquisition back in the 90s when we were acquiring properties for very low cost. And also after the 2008 recession, where there were tremendous numbers of foreclosed properties that were available for us to pick up. Um, that were oppor- Those were opportunities that don't necessarily exist today, but they did exist. I'm
0: that hearing way. that now, and I hadn't known about this, Jim. So we write a lot about these investor groups that come in out of town. They bundle loans from other places and, and they buy up houses in poor neighborhoods. They get section eight rents. They do a crappy job. Everyone's unhappy with what kind of landlords there are. The buildings don't last long, but they flip them. Are they preventing you from getting as many houses as you could to make I, them nice and homeowners? Absolutely. They How's drive, that happening?
1: They have inside. They pay cash, is that why? They, they pay cash, and now, as, as the independent reported, they have access to $100 million. Mandy Management has access to a $100 million line of credit uh, from a finance company in California. And instead of using that money to improve houses, they, get, they use it for doing further acquisitions. You know, you can you know that New Haven is a very diverse neighborhood community, but it also has very distinct neighborhoods where there are very distinct uh, values. And uh, you know, we don't see the Mandy Managements or the investors in the East Rock neighborhood or buying single family. Right, houses we're talking about Newhallville,
0: Fairhaven, places like that. So, are you how many houses would you have gotten if they didn't get there first?
1: Well, that, that's that's really it's really hard to say, mm-hmm. um, mainly because it we still have to raise the subsidies to be able to do it and the subsidy of dollars are becoming increasingly limited
0: is that true like where did you used to get them then are uh, tax credits not available or i thought they put a lot of money into housing in in the pandemic
1: there well there there is and um you know and the amount of money from the city and home funds uh, is really not a figure that's being that's publicly disclosed i don't really know the answer to that question but um i do know that um, the state has home funds that we're going to be closing on for our new <coughs> development and um you know and we're limited in terms of the number the amount of tax credits uh the historic homes rehabilitation tax credits require that we adhere to the department of the interior standards and uh, th- sometimes those standards become so overwhelming that um that that it doesn't justify the amount of the of the uh, subsidies in other words the gotcha. tax credit is Going Doesn't to be uh, going to be less than the cost of doing the work that's required to get the tax credit.
0: We're talking to Jim Paley and Bridget Russell, the superstars from New Haven, New Excuse me, Neighborhood <laughs> Housing Services, a forty-two-year-old agency in New Haven that has rebuilt or built from scratch hundreds of homes for working families to buy and stay in. Tell me a success story, Bridget, whether it's someone, because I remember you were sort of the go-to person in New Haven. Everyone know what Bridget had a thought when the recession hit, and when well the foreclosure crisis hit in 2008, because here was this place, NHS, that tells people how not to lose your home, and everybody's losing their home. Okay. Well, can you tell me a story about somebody who might have lost their home, who you kept in a home? Or
2: Wow, there were quite a few of those stories. Uh, before I even answer that, I want to go back to a point you made, because it was something that really attracted me to neighborhood housing services in the first place. It was, I, I called it at the very beginning, the three-pronged approach to neighborhood revitalization. So yes, it was the restoration um, of the properties and to make them beautiful, energy efficient, and affordable. But also to have the home ownership center and to have that, that that information and education piece, the resources, connecting people to the resources um, to help them to make, you know, just better decisions in terms of knowledge of the different first time home buying mortgage products, knowledge of all of the down payment and closing cost resources that were available to them on a statewide or on a local level. Um, And just that information, because at the end of the day, it was all about not just getting people into homes, but as you were talking about, sustainable, sustainability, being successful as a homeowner, being able to pay all your bills, go on vacation, have some savings, um, and not live just paycheck and to paycheck. And be ready if there's a... The what ifs yeah, the what that ifs. happen in The life. what ifs. So so but we talk about that all the time in that education the classes. Ifs? And also the community and building and organizing component you know when people are moving into neighborhoods, connecting them with the alders or neighborhood specialists, or other people within the community stakeholders who are really committed to the neighborhood. Are I mean, you're you're rebuilding
0: for. communities, not just neighborhoods. Right. Exactly. What, so, what are some what ifs?
2: But so the what ifs are okay. What if I lose my job? Um, what if there's a pandemic? Uh, and 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 you know, fortunately, there was federal funding that. That that came to the different states, and in our state, my home community—I'm I'm sorry, my home CT—talking about communities uh, that we work with, and uh, several other housing counseling agencies within the state to help people keep their homes. So, for the my home CT program, that was fifty thousand uh, dollars that we're helping people in terms of making application. Uh, uploading their documents sometimes actually. That's
0: always a big deal.
2: Yeah, it is uh, online <laughs> application for some people who might not have access. Uh, but that $50,000 that is helping people stay in the house. And I love one of the components of that money for people who are getting forward help is that they're working with housing counseling agencies and they're taking courses, resetting your finances back to basics, um, which I think is wonderful. But Yeah, several success stories where people have come in, work with one of the housing specialists to maybe uh, get a modification with a lender, a modification where they're going to maybe take the arrearage, put it on the back end. Back there in 2008, a lot of times we had to lower the interest rate um, in order to make it affordable, (coughs) especially if they were in one of the, I, I call them toxic products, Uh, that were available during that time period, unfortunately. So yeah, it's, it's, it's working with pre-purchasers on one end to kind of prepare them, um, make sure they're making really good choices out there and that they have the information. But as I said, in the education classes, whether it's home buyer education, we're still talking about the what ifs, because I want people to know if something happens, this is how you're proactive, you know, keep, contact with us, the housing counseling agency, you know, call your lender, let them know ahead of time because there are programs out there that can still help you retain.
0: And I know that sometimes it doesn't work out, but you have a very high batting average. We had a story last year about someone at 132 Newhall street who had bought a house through neighborhood housing service, but eventually was foreclosed on. Is that rare? Do you know what happens or why that happened?
2: Fortunately, it is rare but sometimes situations happen and it's not always going to be a retention methodology. It's going to be, you know, hopefully life some happens. sort of exit strategy that, that you have to come up with. And as you said, life, life happens.
0: And you had a 10 year occupancy. Like if someone bought a house from you, Jim, you said they had to live in it 10 years,
1: right? Uh, well, they, they had supposed to live in it for five years. Um, but, um, you know, we have, uh, we have, we have, Deed restrictions that, or they're not deed restrictions. Actually, restrictive covenants that um, make it such that if they don't keep it affordable when they sell it um, to a become eligible buyer, they have to repay a portion of the subsidy that went into the development. And how do you
0: enforce the not selling it for five years?
1: Um, well, because because the restrictive covenants are recorded on the land record, and it says you can't sell for five years. It says you can't you can't sell them now. You know, we make an exception for people who are in, you know, hardship situations. I mean, we never want to lock it people right. into some. If you get somebody
0: that... else in, who now, what what are the income level of the people who? you work with?
2: So, um, to purchase and, and I want to make a clarification, Paul, I'm glad you brought that up because at the homeownership center, sometimes people do ask me if I'm not buying in new Haven, does that mean I can't access your services, your education services, or working with a homeownership center specialists if I need credit coaching or budget coaching? So I want people to know everyone can access our services no matter where you're buying. Uh, you know, primarily most people we work with buy in New Haven County, but we see people from all over the state. So it might be Fairfield County, Hartford County, Litchfield County. So that's one thing. Um, and now of course I lost my train of thought. What was the original? How uh, much people question? make? Oh, over oh there 80% level. or less of the median income. So A- AMI. Yeah. Is that AMI.
0: regional or city?
1: AMI. It's the region. It,
2: region. Yeah. And how
0: much is that?
1: Um, for a family of four, it's somewhere in the seventy thousand range. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, I think it's seventy nine five or yeah. something like that. Okay. Um, it changes now. You know, every year, some people so.
0: have th- come back at me for ha- for taking the assumption it's better for people to own. I know not everybody can own, but we kind of have this idea in America, and I have this idea that if you own a home, it's a better long term investment because you accrue instead of just paying tons of interest to people. You accrue the assets, so if you're going to move later and hand some down to your kid, that's worth money, and someone can't throw you out, and it's usually cheaper over time. It, historically, it's been a great investment. Some people are starting to push back against the idea, saying that we shouldn't be pushing so hard for so many people to become homeowners that it makes actually economic sense for certain people, given what their life trajectory might be, to rent. Is that true?
1: It, well, it is, because you have to treat these on an individual basis and what people's long-term goals are. Um, there could be people who are only going to be in the in the area for a short period of time, and right, of it makes no sense for them to buy a house and, and incur the closing costs and all the upfront costs, and then being in a position where they need to, you know. But sell, for people sell, sell the house. long
0: isn't it still true that if you're going to be in a community for a long time, you put down roots. I think you're better off. I think
1: it's true. I think it's true because there are a number of factors that influence that, and the more homeowners who are in the neighborhood the stronger the neighborhood is going to be and the more valuable the housing stock is going and to be. And the number we always
0: hear, and I don't know if it's the right number, that, that for black <laughs> families in America, they have 10 to 15 cents of asset wealth of white families, and usually that's a house. And that could so often be the difference of if their kids are going to have wealth to build on when they're building a life and whether the family itself is cushioned for curveballs in life is the, are those numbers still right is that one of the reasons we care so much about this
2: so i'm i'm gonna answer this a couple of ways i'm gonna i'm going back to that original question i no i don't think there's no one size fits all no i don't think home ownership is is the best choice for everyone it really depends on you know where you are in life and whether you're willing to accept both the responsibilities and the benefits that come with home ownership. So to answer that question, but if I'm going to look at black home ownership rates, which always um, concern me because there's still the 30% gap, I know I was looking at some recent figures uh, in terms of um, I think it was over the past year for. New, uh, first-time home that that the um, rate had fallen from six percent to three percent.
0: Which rate um, is that?
2: Uh, of new of the new homeowners, I, I think they were just looking at this year with you know the rising interest rates, and um, you know, unfortunately, it's not just rising interest rates; it's the taxes. Are you saying it's that's black homeownership
0: six to three percent?
2: I no, uh, I'm saying it normally black homeownership was about 6% of all of the first time home buyers. And for this class, this last year it fell to 3%. Yeah. Um, and that's concerning. And, and so, yeah, I do look at homeownership as having been an effective tool within the black community in terms of wealth generation, as you were just talking about. Um, so anytime I see rates drop, that's of concern to me and it's a bigger picture paul because we have to look at the affordable housing stock uh first of all i mean jim talked about the fact that we're going to do four new construction 3 uh, multifamily, one single family but I one guess, lot new
0: hallville or a couple
2: uh, all of those all ridiculous. four lots are um well, no they're, they're s- not scattered sites they're scattered sites um but they
0: said they were all in the uh area of um
2: in Newhallville. There are there is, new,
1: they're uh, in Newhallville. There's one mm-hmm. on Bassett Street, one on Butler Street, one on Lilac Street, and one on West Hazel Street. Mm-hmm. Okay,
2: But there's so many things that we need uh, in place to address this affordability gap. I mean, number one, we need more affordable housing. Um, and then you made a statement, too, when you were talking about some of Frank Nasty's homes, and I, I feel like there is this... Perception out there that when you hear affordable housing, that somehow that that's substandard housing, and that's why I feel so many people try and fight that within the community, and that's a perception. When I, mean, I think of the homes I've been
0: inside that you've done on Winchester, mm-hmm. that's the opposite. That's like the beautiful <laughs> floors and the details, architectural details, and all that, and the sturdiness of the right
1: Ab- of the edifices. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely, and you know one of the things that after you've been doing this for so long is that many of our home buyers. Are actually approaching the point where they're paying off their mortgages, and um, and that makes it possible for them to accumulate a lot of equity in their properties because, you know, equity is built on two ways. It's the amount of principal that you repay on your mortgage, but it's also the difference between what you owe and the market value of the house. So uh, we really think that the equity appreciation is a significant thing mm. of being able to chip into and you know i've heard growth, rumblings yeah. i don't know if it'll
0: happen with twining mm-hmm. investing from boston in the in the upscale winchester housing at the old winchester arms plant do you think newhallville is going to be the next neighborhood where prices go crazy and a lot of like tech workers working in and and idea industry people
1: uh, you know people have been Supposing that that's going to happen for years, mm-hmm. um, and, and it didn't happen. But now they just made a big investment in some
0: of those old factory buildings. In it could
1: park. happen at any time. There's no question about it. Um, but that's one of the things that we want to be able to guard against by being able to acquire these properties and make it possible for people to stay in them, because we know that our buyers, who are you know the the forty two people who have bought homes from us in the new hallville neighborhood alone, um, since, um, you know, since the recession have a vested interest in staying and not ending up having to sell or being motivated to sell because of rising prices Mm -hmm. and values because they know that what their opportunities are. So 42
0: in Newhallville since 2008. That's correct. Wow. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, it, and and what's really important, I think, and you know, I was sort of telling Bridget before we started our conversation, um, what some of the the barriers that families are facing, especially when they're low, moderate income families, and one of the things is that the taxes in New Haven are very, very high, and one of the things that I was thinking of that I believe should be adopted in the city is that we should have a homestead exemption for first time. How would that work? <laughs> and that would work. Um, I've been giving this some thought. That that families whose incomes are are less than one hundred thousand uh, dollars would be getting a fifteen hundred dollar annual uh, tax exemption for owning and occupying their homes. For how long? And that would I would say that that would be something that would be uh, not. And again, I haven't fleshed this out because I just thought of this idea this morning, but um, I wouldn't put a time limit on it because I want to be able to. I would like to be able to see people not forced out of their homes because of rising taxes. We have a phase in for every house that we do, and taxes are phased in over a five-year period. But oftentimes, the um, the assessed value of these homes is such that the taxes are more than people can afford. Mm. And, uh, you know, and if the assessments keep going up underwriting ratios, so how come those
0: assessments are going up when these investors are buying these luxury buildings, the, the city's appraised value, of those buildings is like 40,000, I'm sorry, $40 million less Mm. than they're actually paying.
1: The, the assessment is always based at 70% of the appraised value. No, I know, but then
0: the appraised value is so much lower than what people actually paying.
1: The appraised value um, is, is going up because of the fact that, I mean, it's... it's- you're talking about how
0: values are going up, so if, if you're a working class person, you're, you're going to have to pay more taxes. Right. I'm talking about when these properties are flipping, the luxury properties. Right. We just did a reassessment, and Tom Breen has written about all these buildings that sold like 360 state, where the, when you do the math, so it was 70% of the appraisal the city did. The city's appraisal falls tens of millions of dollars lower than what people actually pay. But it sounds like that's not happening to your homeowners in New Newhallville.
2: No. And that They're is... They're paying the full. And, you know, I know that we have gone um, to the appeal board several times uh, with folks who the appraised value had gone up significantly, making their taxes unaffordable. Now, I've always had success. And so you correct me, Jim, if anything has changed in saying... Because we do have, you know, these restrictive covenants, these affordability restrictions for a thirty year period, that, you know, they should be using the appraised value at time of sale. Mm. Um, so we have had, you know, customers who have come to us and and we've actually gone well that's the opposite we're doing with the other buildings.
0: So we say, why aren't you appraising these luxury buildings? based on what they're actually selling for mm-hmm. the actual sales price or comparables. And they say, no, they have this whole income method. They might be overpaying because they think they're going to get income later. But we say if they're all overpaying, that's what they're actually paying. So isn't that the value for those? But you're saying here, they actually charge them based on comparables of houses that don't have these covenants.
1: That's
2: right. And that's, and that's, correct. And that's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely wrong.
1: We, we need to be able to have the assessor <clears throat> value the property and, it's interesting when I'm asked frequently by uh, appraisers. And they say you're selling this property for how much? You're selling it for 250, and I'm getting an appraised value of 350, and you're selling it for $100,000 less. And so, one of the things that we say is, well, these houses have restrictions on them, but and it's important that the assessor not do an assessment based on what Vision Appraisal says it's worth. But on the actual sales price, because that is what the transaction is, and the price. But is- you're
0: saying actual sales prices of the houses with the covenants, because yes. the covenants lower the value because they can't flip them, right? That that's that's correct. That's so interesting. You guys, I always learn so much when talking neighborhood housing services, which we're doing right now on Dateline New Haven and WNHHFM New Haven's Home for Community Radio. We got Bridget Russell and Jim Paley. Basically, they're responsible for giving hundreds of families opportunity and and becoming anchors of neighborhoods, especially working class neighborhoods in New Haven. Any other thoughts of what the city can do in dealing with these investors who are destroying our neighborhoods or dealing with the luxury developers? Maybe that's a good thing because they're growing the tax base, but we never seem to get the benefit of that if we're under praising them and phasing in their taxes for 10 years.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the, this, the city is, you know, given deals to these developers who are doing the upper, upper income housing and Rental rental units. I mean, I know that what their goal is that ultimately the tax base will be increasing, and I'm not overly critical about that. Well, that's but- good
0: in theory, but when we look at it in practice, they get an automatic five-year phase-in, which is good, as you mentioned, because you're increasing value. But then the mayor wanted to do another five-year phase-in of taxes that would have made it ten years before they actually start paying. And then when we reappraised all their properties a year ago, we underappraised them by tens of millions of dollars. So when do we actually get the benefits flowing to us from that? That
1: that is that That's is a very great good question. question. Yeah, I mean, you know, I the, get the theory,
2: and, and then the other question is: Well, the inclusionary zoning, and when they always talk about what 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 did they have it? Was it five percent set aside, ten percent set Depending aside? Depending on but, the neighborhood, ten you know, percent
0: downtown, five percent other. Yeah.
2: Well, people always ask me, well, how do I get information about these set aside units because. I, 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 I don't know where to go to get information about them. I I always hear that being asked. Who gets these set-aside units?
0: I don't know. I don't know if there have been too many yet because the ordinance just went into effect. So like one of the groundbreaks they did, the, the plans were done grandfathered because and also sometimes they go to Yaley's. Yeah. Like I know in the Hill, Randy, Salvador's projects. Now you also got three, didn't the city sell you three vacant lots, Winthrop, Frank, and Thompson?
1: Yes. It's, well, they haven't sold it to us yet because the city hasn't uh, prepared the paperwork. But, but those, is that on
0: top of the four you mentioned? Yes, that so is. So the four
1: you already got? The four we already have in Newhallville. And then there's uh, the Thompson Street is also in Newhallville. Then the Frank's Frank, in the Hill and Winthrop. Frank is a, is a house, that's existing single family house. And then... Excuse me, the Winthrop Avenue is a double vacant lot that we'll put a two family house on. So and that
0: goes along with what you're saying and Thompson is a lot? Thompson is also a lot. It's a combined right. double lot.
1: And
2: we already have reservations on both of those wow. lots. Wow.
0: Well, that's great the work you do. So what's next for neighborhood housing services? Forty two years, you got a treat record. It sounds to me like you've pivoted. You're doing now more new construction on vacant lots as the mm-hmm. as the as the slumlord investors get the the painted ladies.
1: I want to just, just, you asked the question about what can the city do, and the city needs to be able to um, really enforce the building code and the housing code on investors. <clears throat> I know that they have a rental inspection program for rental units every three years, but they really need to be able to make sure that the investors are accountable, not only to the people they rent to and get rent from, but also to the neighborhood in which the houses are, are, um, are located. Uh, Bridget did a neighborhood tour um, about maybe a month or two ago and, um, and came, bumped into one of the homeowners that we have on Winchester Avenue. And this homeowner was very distressed by the house right next door mm. that was owned by one of these investors. And, um, and she was saying, you know, why should I have to live next to this uns- these unscreened tenants, and, um, and, and this is bringing down my quality of life. And I am this beautiful house that I love, but it really, the next door neighbor is not, is not help doing anything to help my investment or my quality of life. Mm. And so that's the kind of thing that, that needs to be addressed. Um, you know I have nothing against investors per se, but they do have a responsibility to the tenants they collect rent from. And the neighborhood in which their houses are located.
0: Is there anything new on the table for NHS? What are you doing in twenty twenty three? So I'm we talked about seven lots from the city.
2: Yeah, I I always new things on the horizon. I know there's one of the things I really want to do and I'm excited about working on this with, with our homeownership center and some other potential partners. Um, but we really want to expand on a money management kind of boot camp series um, mm. where we're looking at, you know, better budgeting, super savers, investing, insurances, and bringing in uh, special guest speakers. Because one of the things that I, I think the biggest challenge right now in purchasing homes is the DTI, the debt to income ratio, that people are carrying a lot of Historically, debt. Historically,
0: wasn't it 50- yeah. 85-15 in the old days? So they bank uh, lenders and then they relaxed it to 95, five and then more people. And then you got those loans in the first decade of the century when people, they'd be adjustable and then they couldn't make them. Right.
2: Right. I'm I'm not and, and the adjustables are out there and I, I know there are more people who are looking at the adjustables now just because of the fix being higher. But when I'm looking at your debt to income ratio, um, the level of debt, when we look at what your monthly payments are on your credit profile combined with what a potential mortgage could be divided by your gross monthly income. And I'm just finding so many people have these high car payments and a lot of debt. And because historically interest rates have been so low for so long, when an interest rate was 2.875 or 3%, you could carry, you know, some of this debt and you still were able to qualify within the ratios. For, now they're going back up. Yeah. And so now with interest rates up and as I said, insurances and real estate taxes, these debt to income ratios is the amount of debt that the average person is carrying is, is the the major challenge. And that's why I really want to do an expansion on the money management boot camp. And Jim didn't mention it, but it, it's also, um, our time where we're getting ready to do our strategic summit where we kind of look at where we are and and and, and look at our five-year plan. So I think that's an exciting time. Well, exciting to me is to know that there'll be
1: five years and that 42 years will be 47 and further. So what absolutely. a great, that's great news. Absolutely. And Paul, I, w- I would be remiss if I didn't, ma- you asked about 2023 developments and um, we acquired a property at 470 Howard Avenue in September which is a grand, um, former mansion that was on Howard Avenue, um, actually right next door to a house that we did in 1994. Mm -hmm. And, um, and this is a property that has been abandoned and neglected or vacant for at least 15 years, maybe even more. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful house and we're, um, excited about, we have some some CDBG money that's going to help us to acquire. It will reimburse us for part of the acquisition cost, and then we're going to be applying to the city for home funds. And we're also looking at and discussing the historic homes rehabilitation tax credits because we that's have a, sort of the old playbook, this which is the original is the playbook. playbook. But but in, in a three family house we'd be eligible for, um, for $150,000 of tax credits. So then you can bring the price down. Well, the, the price is going to be a lot less than what the cost of the renovations are going to be. Right. This is Always. going to be a $1 million renovation or restoration, I should say, because it's a large house. And all this money will help that you bring in will help you bring the price down and, to what? And two, 295, two i am hoping that we can bring it down. It's going to be a three-unit building. Um, it would obviously appraise for a lot more than that. But um, you know, there will be, of course, the restrictions. But again, it's being able to bring back to home ownership a house that is part of the historic inventory. Yeah. It's named on the, historic reg- the, the Register of Historic Places. And we're working closely with uh, the State Historic Preservation Office. And, and unlike people in, in the past who have been in charge of things, who have been sort of picky about details, Um, The people we're working with now are very excited about us taking on this project. And I think we're going to have a really good cooperative relationship with them. We're going to be doing justice to the historic charm of this house and making homeownership affordable and available to a new home buyer on this block of Howard Avenue.
0: I just love hearing everything you folks are up to. Way to go. (laughs) Thank you. And keep it going.
2: And naturally, we already have a reservation on that property
0: as well wow Oh, well, bridget russell jim paley neighborhood housing service 42 years going strong from strength to strength thanks for coming on dateline at haven thanks thank for all you. the thank work thank you, you thank you for thank having you. us Paul. thanks great. to harry dros the best uh station manager of the business gets us on enough platforms that we qualify for the multiverse we're going to take it out with the afro-semitic experience performing i wish i knew how it feel to be free from the group cd a plea for peace This is Paul Bass inviting you to fly free with us all day and all night at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio.